Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Camel. We appreciate your leadership here in the valley. And this is a wonderful sight to see men gathered. Nothing on earth compares with hundreds of men gathered together to glorify God. Can you say amen? amen? What a great blessing it is. I think Pastor Camel was telling me that he just preached in the Philippines. And uh, we planted our first church in the Philippines in 1981. And he said that in that conference, there are 400 churches now in the Philippine Islands. Thank God for that. Greg just told me today he's doing the mailing list. He still doesn't have the uh, mailing list from Mexico or from the Philippines in yet, but he said the total of the uh, names that we have already are 2,406 churches. Praise God for that. Now that's a wonderful, wonderful testimony. I didn't plant those, but the principles that God has given to our fellowship uh, has caused this principle to begin to multiply and become a very powerful instrument in the world today. I don't know if you take magazines, but if you uh, are subscribing to a magazine, World Magazine is a little magazine that is very, very informative, that has articles in the world. There is an article this month about a church that birthed a nation. It's a history of the beginning of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ in America. Some 40 people left Holland, came to America on that uh, ship which is called the Mayflower. They made a covenant together, a compact, it's called the Mayflower Compact, uh, to establish a nation based on the Bible. And the phenomena of that is that this is the seeds that now have brought forth a tremendous nation, which is America today, and the principles that are there are on church planting. Every church that's planted is a seed with a glorious potential. Can you say amen? And God is powerfully moving. He's made us a part of what he's doing in the earth. I didn't do that. God has done that. But the principles the Lord's using is very powerful. If you have your Bibles, turn with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We have a lady in our congregation. She began traveling from Boston, Massachusetts. She traveled west, and she's on a spiritual quest to lay hold of God. She's not saved, 
She has a hunger in her heart. She wound up in Sedona, Arizona. She went to a fortune teller, and this fortune teller said to her, you need to go to Prescott, Arizona. <laughs> when I heard that, I said, we need to give that lady some flyers over there. <laughs> she came to Prescott. She's walking in the courthouse plaza, and she's walking in the courthouse plaza is our first outreach of the summer. Someone witnessed to her, led her to Jesus Christ, and she got gloriously saved. When she's giving her testimony, when she's baptized, she said, I went into various churches and attended churches, but she said they were all fluffy. Now you come to your own conclusion, what a fluffy church is. But she said, when I was in the courthouse plaza, somebody from this church told me about Jesus Christ, and I bowed my knee and got wonderfully saved and delivered. I'm here getting baptized tonight into this church because this church is not a fluffy church. In the text that I'm going to read to you tonight, I want to bring out to you that one of the problems in Christianity today is that many people are serving God in their own will. That's not Christianity. Dallas Willard, who is a discipler, wrote books on discipleship. He said, the problem in the Western world today is that people can become members of our churches without ever becoming a disciple and without ever intending to become a disciple. And that is not what Christianity is. And here in the Bible, I want to point out to you that Christianity is a militant religion. Listen to these words, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit you to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. I want to preach to you tonight for a few minutes on militant Christianity from this text. First of all, there is a required dimension that is very apparent that is brought forth here. Now, this is not natural. This dimension is not natural. But we're talking about a military mindset. When Lauren Lopez was talking about these churches that she'd attended, when she said they were fluffy churches, obviously you don't have to be a Bible study leader or a Bible student to understand that she's not talking about what this text is talking about. What a fluffy church is, I have no idea. But if you are a fluffy church, you're going to be very disturbed before I get through preaching here tonight. <laughs> a military mindset. This is not natural to us. In 1948, December 28, 1948, I enlisted in the United States Air Force. I didn't enlist because I had a tug of patriotism. 
I was out of a job, had no place to live, and I joined the United States Air Force, and they said that we'll give you three slops and a flop and $21 a month. That sounded good to me. And I joined the United States Air Force. It totally changed my lifestyle. They took me to a barber, and the barber said, how do you want your haircut? I said, pull a little off the ears, you know, and I had long, wavy hair. And he said, okay. And he went, <laughs> When I was finished, I had no hair of any kind. They took me to a warehouse, and they passed out clothes to me that didn't fit. I entered into a lifestyle that was not natural to me. I got up when they told me to get up. I went to bed when they told me to get, uh, go to bed. I ate when they said that I could eat. I lined up with hundreds of men to eat in a mess hall. And in this text that we have, it has a word that's called grace. This is one of the great words of the scripture. And this literally, short term, means divine enablement. So when we're talking about this uh, lifestyle, it's not natural to us. Our, night st- our lifestyle is to do the least that we can do to get by in life. Can you say amen? And this means that God's grace is enabling us to do what we naturally are unable to do. And Dallas Willard again, as he makes that statement, he talks about what's generally neglected in the churches today, come just as you are, leave just like you came. That's a fluffy church. That's not our churches, thank God. That's not the dynamic that gave us 2,400 churches in 130 nations of the world. Thank God for that. One of these churches is pastored by John Osteen in Houston, Texas. He was being interrogated, and he was asked about uh, alcohol, drinking alcohol. And he said, I don't mind people drinking alcohol just as long as they don't come to church drunk. That's not Christianity. Can you say amen? That's religion. But this is the least of the problems that they have in Houston, Texas, uh, because he has a song leader uh, that was living with a woman who's not his wife, uh, fathered two children uh, that uh, he was not married to her, their mother, uh, and John Osteen is allowing him to minister and knew that he was doing that and did not discipline until uh, his brother, John Osteen's brother, forced him uh, to deal with this, and he gave him a severe discipline, set him down for 30 days. I mean, that'll straighten anybody out. (laughs) That's a fluffy church. Christianity, as you and I are saying in this building, has largely become an empty form. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 speaks about prophecy and said, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall go to church having a form of godliness, but denying the power of it from such turn away. Now this passage of scripture gives us the image of a soldier. And that soldier immediately, the moment you say soldier, has unique dimensions 
and has distinct dimensions. Uh, one of these is obligations uh, and requirements uh, and a demeanor that you must give. Uh, and this is a truth. Some years ago, as I was putting this together today and looked this over, some years ago I had a family quit the Prescott Church. Uh, they wrote me a letter and they said, Pastor Mitchell, we no longer want to attend the church because this church uh, has a militant uh, mindset. When I read that letter, I said, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. So here's a reality that we need to embrace tonight because Christianity is a life of conflict. Can you say amen? And if you cannot stand conflict, then you probably will not last long as a believer. There's simply a delusion of a mirage that you have. You know what a mirage is? It means that you're laboring along and it's like you're in a desert and you have a mirage. You see a, an oasis. But as you get there, that oasis is simply a mirage. It's not real. Because the image of Christianity that is portrayed in many places is not the reality of Christianity. Christianity depicts conflict to you and I. So when the Apostle Paul is using these words... This is not the only place in the Bible uh, that he reaches into the image of a military mindset. Uh, this is only one place, uh, but it leaves us with a distinctive uh, because uh, much of Christianity, you pick up a Christian magazine, uh, here's a handsome man, uh, he's as handsome as I am, you know. He has a beautiful wife. Uh, they're well-dressed. They have two beautiful children. Uh, and it conveys to you an imagery uh, of peace and tranquility uh, in a peaceful setting. Uh, but I want to tell you, that's not Christianity. The Bible clearly says that Christianity is entering into uh, a conflict against the powers of darkness uh, and a devil that wants to destroy your soul uh, in hell. I was quite interested in uh, the uh, political landscape recently. Uh, Donald Trump called, called a widow uh, who had been killed in battle. And as he called her, he brought out the uh, facet or the element uh, that when her husband joined the military, uh, he knew that this was a life where is there's conflict. Uh, and some people get killed, and the press absolutely went wild. Here he is. He's reminding her that when she, uh, her husband joined the military, he knew that that might be the outcome. So here's a contrast. Verse 4 says there's an engagement in warfare. Think about this with me for a moment. Because Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now think about this for a moment, because this is a conflict. I often think the problem with many people in our generation, they've never been in a fight. Are you still listening to me? As I was putting this together, I was thinking... Years ago, I was a teenager, I was probably about 16 years ago, in Phoenix, Arizona, I gave attention to a young woman 
that upset a young, a young man, and he immediately wanted to fight me. We went out in front and duked it out. Amen. <laughs> That'll teach you what life's all about. I did fine till he caught me in the temple and knocked me as cold as a cucumber. My friend that I was there with, he was riding me around in a pickup truck. It was probably two hours before I ever got my mind back. I was absolutely, I mean, this dude laid me in the tulips, amen. <laughs> that isn't the only fight that I've been in. I've been in many fights. But today, when you're talking about conflict, some people get really nervous. Say, oh, well, uh, you know, you mean you're fighting? Well... Some of you, it would be really good for you to get your nose blooded if you... That's what life's all about. My dad said to me when I was growing up, son, don't fight. But if you fight, fight to win. Pick up a rock, pick up a club, pick up water, but you're going to fight to win. That was my daddy. See, today... Fighting has become an entertainment. What is it, Floyd, well, uh, May, uh, Floyd Mayweather and McGregor, uh, their fight, millions watched that, but that was entertainment. That wasn't reality. Years ago, we were touring in Rome, and we went to the Roman Colosseum. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about the Roman Colosseum, but men fought and died. The grounds of the Roman Colosseums where gladiators fought to the death. Many Christians were martyred in the Roman Colosseum. And as you're looking out over that, it's just the ruins today. But if you know any history about it, there are men that fought and men that died. Many of them were believers in Jesus Christ that fought against gladiators or wild animals. Because Christianity's history is one of conflict. I'm reading a book right now. It says, The Body Keeps a Record. It's a record of uh, many people who have PTSD. Some of these are military uh, people who've served in our military. They've been in conflict uh, and have been shocked by some of the things that they uh, have gone through. We came tonight, came by the VA hospital is over here, I think, it's on East uh, Indian School Road. Uh, and uh, many men are in that hospital that have suffered the effects of conflict for their nation and uh, for the cause of uh, uh, America. And uh, knowing that just ticks me off. Some of these millionaire athletes, uh, blessed with a big body and a stupid mind, that are so shameless... Uh, that they will not stand when the anthem of America is played. May God deliver us. Can you say amen? So this attitude, this perverted attitude has invaded the church of Jesus Christ today. And I'm preaching tonight to challenge men to be men. What is it they call men that have uh, turned into women? Snowflakes? I'm not sure what they <laughs> That's not the image that God wants to leave for men. So let's begin to explain for a moment because to understand this passage of scripture, you must understand 
that Christianity is a calling. When I ponder this as human options, there's a commitment that we have as a believer. That's not to please ourselves. This is a generation that fulfills self-interest. And our churches have been flavored with this. When there's a conflict, spiritual conflict, many people, I'm going to change church. I'm going to go to another church. I'm going to tell you that if you're a pastor of a church and you're going to cop out when there's a little bit of conflict, you need to go sell used cars. (laughs) We're involved in a fatal conflict with the enemy of the souls of men. And the choice that you have is to enter into a spiritual conflict and serve God with all your heart and the choice that you have is the choice that God has called you. You know, we have people today, they would, uh, they would serve God if they just could get the church that they want, if they could pastor in the city that they want, if they could, uh, uh, if they could do... Joe Campbell was telling me some time ago, he said he, he had a young couple brought them in, brought the young man in. He's going to offer him a church. And he said, I want to talk to you about a church. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> no, wait a minute. You don't know where. I'll take it. Thank God for that. Can you say amen? Thank God. For men will, who will trust their pastor to have their best self-interest at heart. Uh, and when they have an opportunity and a chance to serve God, uh, they'll step up to the plate. I preached recently a sermon, and in that sermon I said, our churches are filled with good people doing nothing. I meant that when I preached it, challenged my church. I said, there's something that you can do. So let's think about this for a moment, because we have a military mindset I'm trying to touch you with, and that has a distinctive dimension. I enlisted in 1948, December 28, 1948, I was sent to Guam in the Marianas Islands. Six months after I was sent there, the Korean War broke out. Now think about this for a moment, because it wasn't long after that. You see, I enlisted, but as I enlisted, it wasn't very long after that till I found out I was drafted. They said, you're going to be here uh, we don't know how long you're going to be here, but your uh, tour of duty's frozen till we say you can go home. Now, Guam's 12 miles wide, 32 miles long. There wasn't a lot there. There's luxury hotels everywhere then, but there were no luxury hotels then. There was nothing but wreckage of war, palm trees, coconuts, uh, and Quonset huts for bars down in Aganium. You're here till we say you can go home. Your enlistment is frozen. You're not going to get any promotion, whatever. Interesting thing is 2 Timothy 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, uh, which is in Jesus Christ. I was only enlisted and uh, had served probably two weeks. Uh, and they gathered us all together in a hangar. There's probably as many men as are here tonight. And they read us the articles of war. How many have ever been in the military? Let me see your hand. See, the, the, the crowds are getting smaller and smaller. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, well, just hang with me. The articles of war are what they read to every enlisted man, and it says, uh, we own you. 
We're going to tell you what you're going to do. And we're telling you what we're going to do to you if you don't do that. That's what the Articles of War. And we're sitting there on this hangar floor on the concrete. Uh, suddenly it dawned on to us uh, what we're into, what we signed on there. And it dawns on us uh, that we're part of a military movement in America. We will do what they tell us to do. We'll go where they tell us to go. We'll be there as long as we've signed up for. But when I was in Guam, suddenly uh, that is indefinite. I'm going to be there till they say you can go. Doesn't matter what I signed up for, they own me. So let's think about this for a moment because here we're talking about the biblical soldier, which is a calling. Romans chapter 1, 5 and 6 says, By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you are also the called of Jesus Christ. If you're saved tonight in this building, then God has laid his hand upon you and he has made you a part of God's army. That's a calling. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, For you see, you're calling, brethren, how that not many were uh, wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. This is a personal decision that God has made concerning you. Now, there's a lot of people tonight uh, that they think that Christianity is something that you can serve uh, in your will. It's not. If you're a Christian, that means God has chosen you out, selected you, put his mark upon you by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says uh, he has sealed you. That means a mark of ownership uh, he's put upon you. And that means now you don't serve your will, you serve the will of God. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. But we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, Beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, under which he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I was talking to a friend of mine recently. He was talking about the special forces. Special forces are like the seals, and they have other elite forces there in the various parts of the military. When they put them through the special training, they put them into severe training. And uh, for instance, the SEALs, uh, when they're being driven to the end of themselves, where they absolutely feel like they can't stand it anymore, they're ready to ring the bell, but the instructor says, uh, too early. You've only given 40% of your capability. And they put them through a course that drive them to the very extremes of their personality. And this is what it means to be a soldier. Paul emphasizes something here. You endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4 says, You've not resisted unto blood. Striving against sin. That's a challenge to you and a challenge to me uh, of the 
extreme. I read a book last year. It's called Citizen Soldiers. It's a book of World War II when uh, the Allies invaded and the beaches of Normandy went in to defeat Adolf Hitler. As I read that book, tears came to my eyes. I'm reading about these were common men like you and I, but the uh, United States was at war. I remember that. I was 11 years old when World War II was, uh, uh, was declared. Everything changed in America. Total mobilization. They rationed meat. They rationed tires. They rationed gasoline. They rationed manufacturing. Everything was rationed. Total mobilization was the effort of the war. And as I was pondering that, I'm reading about these men in the conflict of Europe that many of these men fought and for weeks on end, they fought in war uh, below zero temperatures. It's freezing every night. They're in trenches that are filled with water. And I'm reading that, I'm all but weeping every time I read about these men tremendous sacrifice that they went through and these men were common men just like you and I but they were in a war effort. God in this passage of scripture is challenging you and I to that mindset. Many people are simply playing rather at Christianity. They bear the Christian label. They profess to be Christian. But as far as the reality of the conflict and the enduring of hardness, the price that they must pay, they're unwilling to do that. They want the label, but they don't want the conflict. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13 says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Now isn't it interesting that Paul has to write that to believers? Could that be true today? What he's saying is, act like a man. Don't limp-wristed. Be a man. Act like a man. You're a Christian. You profess to be a man. Now be a man. As I was meditating meditating on this today, I was thinking about World War II. There was a man who was a part of the armed forces. His name was George Patton. George Patton was a soldier. He was dedicated to it. He knew what it took to win wars. But he didn't fit the mold like limp-wristed people who were in the military. Finally, they put him in exile down on Cyprus, I believe it was, as a desk jockey. They wanted to get him out of their way. But something happened in World War II, the Battle of the Bulge. In the Battle of the Bulge, Germany broke through. They threatened the entire war effort uh, of the invasion of Germany. Uh, I believe it was in Belgium when this happened. uh, And uh, they were absolutely defeating and ruining the war effort and had it to a stop still and driving the Allied forces back. Uh, Somebody uh, had enough sense to remember George Patton. He's a tank commander. He was a real soldier. They sent down and pulled him off of the desk job and said, uh, George, uh, you take charge of our tanks here. And in a matter of weeks, he was kicking butt headed straight for Berlin. He was a soldier. Are you listening to me? So when this scripture says to you and I in the Apostle Paul's words, uh, 
Stand fast in the faith. Uh, quit you like men. Uh, be strong. We're in a desperate time in our nation. I want to tell you, we are a desperate, desperate time. Only by the grace of God was Hillary Clinton kept out of office. I'm talking the grace of God. But the evil forces that were backing her are not gone. They're still at work. They're doing everything they can to destroy what America believes in. And this has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ that God has made you and I a part of. I'm challenging you tonight to be a man. That means you're going to be a leader in your home. That means you're going to do what needs to be done in your church. That means you're not going to be a pastor of a fluffy church. When I read the letter from this couple, this has been some 20 years ago now, I read this letter. This, uh, this, pastor, this uh, uh, family was a businessman. He was a man that was putting large amounts of money in. He's a prominent family. But when I read that letter, Pastor, we're quitting the church because uh, this church has become too militant. I read that letter. I said, sayonara. Thank God. And silently, I thought to myself, there's any others in here that feel like that. I'd like to have you go too. Yes. So let's think about this because in this, in this moment in history, our nation is in desperate trouble. Most of the churches that profess to be Christian could line up with the ones I'm talking about. Are, am I against alcohol? Absolutely not. Uh, John Osteen said, as long as you don't come to church drunk. Why don't you carry that on to the extreme in morals? As long as you're not fornicating in the pews, no problem. See, Christianity believes something. Not only that, but an experience with Jesus Christ does something. I had the privilege last Friday morning to preach down in Mexicali. Jose Torres has wonderfully given an opportunity. He's broken through a dimension and has access to the prisons in Mexico. I was invited to speak, and they, he told me there's going to be 400 policemen in this building. I don't know how many was there, but there were hundreds of them in that building, full uniform. There were f- officials that were there. I sat next to the man that commands all the police in Mexico. That was not my doing. This is what God has blessed Jose Torres with. And they asked me to speak. As I spoke, I used two illustrations. I said, I want to tell you about a man from Vologda, Russia. This man is who I call the Russian Larry Reed. He did nine years in Russian prisons for heroin addiction. They beat him. They tortured him. They tried to break him. But he came out. He was a hero to that prison because he never bowed to authority He came out, and as he's standing in Vologda by uh, Sergei Golubev. Sergei Golubev has a program for drug addicts. He's standing there. He knows that he has a decision to make. 
If he's going to become a part of that, he's going to have to submit to this man who looks like a college professor. Skinny man with a suit on with glasses. And he's thinking to himself, what does this lame know about heron addicts? What does he know about ex-convicts? But he made a decision. I'm going to submit myself to this man. I used him as an illustration. I said, that man was transformed. It was not information that transformed him. It was transformation. Jesus Christ changed that man. He became the model for their successful rehabilitation of drug addicts. And 60% of the Russian pastors tonight are former drug addicts that are real men living for God. Thank God. I use the illustration of Larry Reed. Larry Reed is a man that was uh, in the beginning of our movement, tremendous, a man that many of us heard preach. He was an ex-convict out of San Quentin prison that Jesus Christ gloriously transformed. And I use those two men as an illustration uh, with these policemen sitting there. They're dealing with criminals uh, every day. Their lives are on the line, many of them. They're operating where the drug cartels are. And when they step on the street, when they step, stop a car, they're taking their life in hand because they could be shot. And I said to them, this is a solution for you in Mexico. It's not information. It's not religion. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about the transformation that Jesus Christ can give to a human being. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I quoted this, uh, by the mercies of God, that you present your lives a living sacrifice unto God. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or demonstrate uh, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Great blessing for me to stand there. Short message uh, no long sermon I could give to them, no lessons on law enforcement, no lessons on prisons. I just preached in the El Hongo prison below El Takati last year three times. But the solution of all of that is Jesus Christ. He can take a man and make him a man. Can you say amen? That's what our world needs. Jesus Christ can transform human personality. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. 
Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.